0: Serving collectors since 1945.
1: CinemaSins has a fan club. It's called the Sin Club and members get all sorts of things like early episodes, bonus videos, merch discounts, and even monthly bonus podcasts. Membership starts at $3 a month and you can sign up now at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. There's a shot of the sun coming through the clouds. And it's like the or It looks like, you know, it looks like comes right off the Raisin brand box. <laughs> it's. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Suncast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined by Jonathan Wadkins. Hello, hello. And today we have a very special guest. It's director Stephen Maxwell Johnson. His movie High Ground comes out on digital and on demand May 14th. Uh, Stephen, th- uh, thanks for joining us.
2: Absolute pleasure. Nice, nice to be with you all.
1: Yeah, um, I, I see that there's, uh, there, there are three people who were credited on the story here. So what was the inspiration for this story?
2: <clears throat> Essentially, look, I've, I've been, had an incredible life where I've grown up in the Bahamas, Africa, and the Northern Territory. I spent most of my life living and playing with Indigenous people. I was adopted mm. into the Yilmu families and um, have, been, have seen ceremony, been told so many stories, and um you know the my very best friends so the the whole idea has really come from within that relationship and all of those stories and things that i've that i've seen and chris the writer's a very old friend of mine he spent time in arnhem land with me he's traveled right across we sat in the dirt with the elders for 20 years listening mm. and and, and grappling with the idea of this story and, and how, how, how we could tell it and how we could put it out there. So it's been a very organic process. It's been a both ways collaborative process, bridging that thing between two cultures, two languages, many languages in fact, there's several languages spoken in the film. And, mm-hmm. and Widianna being a very, very powerful ceremonial, ceremonial leader in Arnhem Land who travels from east to west and right across, following the song lines and conducting ceremonies, and being one of the the, the wisest men out there, um, was a you know has deep connections right through all the families, and um, uh, we really have just been on this kind of journey um, of creating uh, and realizing this this kind of truth-telling really
0: hmm.
1: it's your your story is set after world war one right
2: yeah that's the idea
1: uh, yeah uh, it, it what, what's going on in australia at this point and why is that <clears throat> uh, the best uh, moment to start this story
2: well it wasn't it, look it's a good good question when you say best moment we just thought that the whole thing we set out to do was okay great we want to tell this epic untold story but let's let's make it entertaining let's dramatically set it so that it's compelling it's immersive uh, it's non-judgmental. Let's tell a balanced story. Let's look at it from two perspectives. Let's take the audience. Uh, let's put them in the film and let's go let's go on this journey together, this song line, so to speak. So look, setting it after the First world War, a lot of lot of uh, white fellas, Ballander came back to this country as we all know, deeply traumatised through that experience. They, they <laughs> struggled to fit into society. A lot of them came up to North Australia to get away from it. They took jobs with the police force, uh, various things, went on to country as cattlemen. And, um, you know, there was, a, there was a process of disbursement happening. I mean, black fellows were <laughs> away as white fellows were expanding across the land and it was about, you know, hunting buffalo, hunting crocodiles, hunting human beings. Yeah. Um, it was a it was a uh, a moment of conflict. It's settlement is about conquest. Um, there were there was even a police force here created, the Queensland Native Police, uh, that was made up of blackfellas, and and their mission was to disperse and actually kill countrymen. So there was a, yeah. a really a, a quite a sickening uh, part of our history where there was murder after murder after massacre taking place right across across the land and we've really just drawn drawn our inspiration from true story true characters of that time and created yeah. a fiction but history's fiction but it was all about uh, sort of dramatizing the story in that way to tell a deeper truth and to really mm-hmm. try and, you know create an entertaining film as i say so um, but a film that had impact had meaning and um, had 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 a you know something to kind of just put out there to, for people to rethink our story.
1: Yeah. And you, and you have, uh, I, I guess a story that's going to hit home for a, a lot of people. I mean, the, the opening of this movie, which is uh, 16 to 20 minutes long, mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, I mean, there's a massacre that occurs with very little prompting. Um, and, uh, it's, it's just devastating to watch all the way through. I, I am, a, I'm assuming this is an all too common tale.
2: Correct, correct. I mean, look—it's uh, you know taken directly from real-life events, and there was a, a, a particular massacre uh, at Gar- a place called Gangan in uh, northeast Arnhem Land, 1935. And um, the family members there are directly related to Widianna, who plays the old man in the film. So this is all a very, very immediate history, and the indigenous players who would never acted before in the film. Have direct connection to all those stories and and a lot of that tragedy that is still in living memory, um, and and in the story. So it's really uh, they're telling their story. They're they're really putting their life um, out there and their connections out there. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing to to work with and to learn from and to. Um, and grapple with, you know what I mean, as far as trying to sort of find the the best way to sing the song, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I uh, um, I I was going to ask about your casting process. I think you've maybe possibly answered about half of it because you, uh, you you say that you've 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 lived with these people before and you've you've been among them and everything. So I was kind of wondering how you got. Uh, your your performers uh, from uh, the Aborigines and everything. Yeah, and, uh, well,
2: I, I, have a, I have a good understanding of uh, a few languages. Um, I've I've had a lifetime of of learning and growing up with with Yungu and Binning people, and it's through, it's through that trust and those those relationships that uh, you know I'm able to kind of move freely. Wittiana's my best friend. The guy who plays the old man <laughs> Uh, we had many, many years traveling the world and, and doing things together with a band he co-founded called Yot the Yindi, um, mm-hmm. and um, you know, really, we just spent an enormous amount of time traveling through country and 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 looking for for people uh, to be in the film. And prior to that, working with people creating the story. So, you know, every all the families knew about this and wanted were participating in the process of making a reality because it's the the long untold story so yeah it's an amazing process and the beautiful just a very quick Quick little one, which I've, I've mentioned a few times this morning in my other interviews, beautiful story about Jacob Jr. Nyingle, the lead actor.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Who plays Who's cool. excellent. E- extraordinary looking young man. Well, 25 mm-hmm. years ago I sat in the dirt in uh, kumbalanya with his grandfather, old man Jacob Nyengel, and a man called old man Bill Nagy, who are two very, very powerful elders uh, from Western Arnhem Land, who helped establish Kakadu, and were all about uh, cultural survival and passing on knowledge and keeping all the dream stories alive. But during the, the I, I spoke to them about the idea of telling the story of the resistance, and both of those men and and their families and wives were all about yes, access to country. We will go to all the special places to tell that story. We have to do it. Anyway, over the course of creating the film. Both of those uh, beautiful, important men passed away. Jacob, mm-hmm. Jacob Junior, was born. He grew up, and <laughs> uh, as I was out uh, on country looking, looking, looking for the warrior who'd play the part in this film, uh, he came for a screen test. He put a spear to my neck and looked straight into my eyes and basically <laughs> uh, i was gone and he is it was his grandfather who had uh who was one of the original people great supporters of the idea of this film so it's almost
0: like he sung he sung his grandson to me which is extraordinary yeah i was i was shocked to see that he had never been in a movie before like at, at watching the performance because i mean he's holding his own with you know simon baker who's very established uh freak jack thompson yeah (laughs) i mean just which i love that you had jack thompson in there by the way because it was i mean i know this is a very different movie than breaker morant but it it's hard not to think of that once this movie started so it was really cool to see jack thompson come in
2: yeah no he really really lands it as does simon Uh, both of those uh gentlemen and dear friends of mine uh have had a, a, a deep journey and have been very affected by the whole process of the making of the film. Simon's relationship with with, with Jacob is extraordinary. Their their real-life relationship is, in a sense, playing out on the screen, that fast-time oh, wow. thing. Mm. they were both learning and feeling each other out. Simon hadn't spent time in that country, in that world before. It's Jacob's country. He was at home and uh, there was kind of like this both-ways thing happening on and off the screen so there was this beautiful Mm. natural resonance to what's happening between the two of them and um, it just works and, um, you know, all credit to Simon. I think he's done an extraordinary uh, extraordinary job and he, he handled and worked with Jacob so sensitively and in such a caring way that all just happens on the screen.
1: Absolutely. Does, does Jacob have aspirations to continue with this?
2: He does. He does. And, uh, just, a. We we were we we're here in Darwin. He had some awards, film awards here the other night, called the Capricornia Awards, and he won Best Actor. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome! And trying gosh. to get him, I could hardly get him in the car the next day. His smile, was, <laughs> his smile was so big to get him like, to, get to, to drive him the four hundred kilometres back to his community. But um, his family had been on the phone crying all night long, Aww. and uh, he, he and he was telling them, "Look, you mob, you have got to." Get yourselves together. Stop crying. Stop crying. And they're going, oh, we can't." feel like that men in black man. Now you're a big movie star because he, he <laughs> wore a black, a black tuxedo to the awards. He was the only one in a black tuxedo, and he just rocked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome to hear. Yeah. I, I can't. I, I hope. I hope he continues because I'm because yeah. this guy is is a, is an absolute fine. Yeah. Um, and you would know who um, David
2: Gulpilil is. Um, the other, He's another very famous Aboriginal actor, been in so many big Australian films, but he's, mm-hmm. he's very ill now and hasn't got too much longer to, to live. But he, there was a big award ceremony in Adelaide not too long ago, and he sort of passed the mantle across to Jacob and sort of uh, said, it's your journey now, which is very, very beautiful.
1: You know? Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, very beautiful. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. This movie looks amazing. Um, I wanted to know about your collaboration with your cinematographer and how you guys achieved the look of the film. No, sure, you guys can talk about some nerdy. You can talk about some nerdy stuff like aspect ratios and all that type of stuff too, <laughs> if you want to. No, no, look,
2: yeah, no, that's good. Good question. So look straight into it. I mean, really, it's about perspective. And um, my early conversations with Andy were all about, you know, I've I've grown up. Uh, been a cinematographer in Arnhem land uh, most of my life and um, it's about trying to see the world from a youngmu perspective which means you're not outside it you're in it you're you're participating in the movement of it whether it's human right. whether it's animal whether it's tree you're hearing as well as seeing aspect ratio yes I always wanted to do it in this division because you've got you're dealing with height you're dealing with with width but you are in a sense it's more connected to what the human eye sees. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we don't see the world in cinemascope. So um, if you think about what you see as you look forwards, bang, it's about trying to get that perspective on things and actually to allow your eye to move around and see things and think things and respond to things that you kind of almost do subconsciously. So that's a Younger way of, of seeing seeing the world and, and being part of it. And that was really the starting point. It was about saying, Andy, this is what we want to do. We want to go high. We want to go low. We want to fly like, like the hawk. We want to mm-hmm. see that world and, and, and feel that world. The camera can never be still. It needs to be moving. It's a living thing. And, and hopefully that, that, that all sort of helps in that idea of immersing and, and being on country and physically sort of being in the story.
1: I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. I, I, I think there are, there's gotta be, I, I, there are countless shots in here that I was like, Oh my God. Oh, Oh my God. You guys like just either got, I mean, I don't know how lucky you got. I mean, there's a lot of skill obviously, but um, one shot in particular stood out to me and it's when, um, and, and I'm, and I'm sorry. I, I, Jacob plays. He has. His, they give him an English name of Tommy, but I, I didn't quite catch what, what his native name. Gutuk,
2: Gutuk, which is Gutuk, G U T J U K, Gutuk, and it's a, a Yungu, a, Yungu uh, a skin name, Totanic name that is uh, the name of the hawk. Um, oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. The whole dreaming story that that goes with that, and that that's his connection. That's his kind of life force.
1: When he and Travis and, uh, Eddie, Eddie and Walter, and we, we also, the, the, uh, Callan Mulvey is also awesome. Yeah. He's really awesome.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, when they have that standoff, uh, somewhere in the middle of the film, somewhere beginning, middle of the film. Yeah. Yeah. There's a shot of the sun coming through the clouds. And it's like the Rays, or it looks like, you know, it looks like comes right off the Raisin brand box. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like, did you just get super lucky with that? Or is this just, uh, I don't know, man. Well, no, that's no, good, man. I, I,
2: I'm loving all this because, um, look, of, of course lucky. But there's a, it, it, I'm not bullshitting here. The thing about young um, and Bidding people, they have an incredible, connection to to country and reading the land and and and, and being able to speak and sing about everything to, that it, that is life and um, it, a lot of the locations we went into an elder would sing us in or talk us in and introduce the crew to the ancestors for that particular site in that area because there were places that have never been filmed on before that are very special special places that they wanted us to to you know we worked together and we wanted to. Uh, film on. So the, the, there's this beautiful process of connecting with the country and the environment as we were making the film. It was part of the journey. And mm-hmm. and I truly believed uh, time and time again that things just came together. Clouds seemed to dance in our favour. Things seemed to sort of, the wind seemed to blow in our favour. Birds would appear when we wanted them to. Um, crocodiles were kind of behaving themselves. Um, it was uh, it was it was it was an amazing sort of collaboration on all levels, and you really felt that because there's this, you know, there's these old men and old women on set with us every day, and it's their country, it's where they have lived for thousands and thousands of years. It's their, it's who they are. It's not like
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, this is our land we live on. It it's this. It's they're part of it. They're so connected, and it's all one. And to just be working with that living culture all around you is very, very special. And you kind of feel everything's in harmony and things are flowing, even though the filmmaking process is chaotic, it's fast, you know, you're trying to meet your schedule We never have enough money. It's all that shit. Um, Mm -hmm. It's still Mm -hmm. this beautiful calmness and kind of like, uh, you know, I keep bringing us back to this idea of the song line. There was, we were on a sort of a, a song line, a kind of dreaming track during the making of the film, with with great people guiding us and standing next to us, next to us every step of the way, and that, that was a beautiful energy, a beautiful energy to the to the process. Yeah. How, how many days
0: did you have? How many days did you shoot? <clears throat> Seven weeks. Yeah.
1: Seven weeks.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. Not 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 very long. No, and oh. you're on location no. and I mean, that's gotta be that's gotta be hectic. Very, very, very remote part of the
2: world. Um, mm-hmm. you know, only way in in some places helicopter, four wheel drive, always crossing river systems that when the you know, you could only cross at certain times of the day because they're tidal, they're also infested with five meter crocodiles. Oh my I mean, god, trying yeah, to horses and cattle on that country Uh, uh, Are creatures that are just meant to be eaten by crocodiles they can smell them from five miles away so you know you're working in a in in a sense uh, a dangerous environment but it's wild it's real Um, and again though bringing it back to the old men and the women who who know the law they know what you can do and what you don't do you you just work with it. you go with the flow and you kind of sit in with nature and it can happen.
1: You may have mentioned this before, but what where, where exactly uh, was the shot uh,
2: west Western Arnhem land, so you may have heard of a place in in Australia called kakadu It's quite yeah. a famous uh, uh, park that was set up on the um, the western side of the East alligator River. It's called the Alligator River because those white fellas back then didn't realise they're crocodiles, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> I was
0: actually wondering about that yeah. when it came up on the screen. Yeah, I was like, why is yeah, it called no, Alligator? It's,
2: it's kind of another ignorance that happened, but it's still uh, still there. <clears throat> it kind of works. and um, But no, and then, on, and then the other side of the East Alligator River, which is Western Arnhem Land, which is Arnhem Land. So it's a protected area where binning uh, people have you know, lived and had tenure for land for tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands of years. And, um, that's the, the country and where, where the story is set. And that's where a lot of the the cast came from too. It's the, their country. Um, so there's you know, that beautiful connection to all of that. Yeah. Very
0: cool.
1: Um, you, you know, in getting back into some nerdy stuff, the, I, I love the, there's one particular scene that I love where you staged it, in such a way, uh, it's, uh, it's with the grandfather and, and uh, Moran, um, where they had the negotiation. Um, <laughs> the meeting, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, the meeting, oh, and, and um, and it's, it starts off, the, the way the, the photograph is staged, first off, hmm. uh, tells you a lot, I think, about the difference in the cultures immediately, mm. um, because he is the he's the main part of that photograph on the right side of the screen on the right side of the the, uh, the photo. Meanwhile, the tribe is always together. Um, that you know, there's no there's no separation, and when it comes to the point of the meeting. You know the all of everybody on in the tribe is just there. They're together. There's not you know we know who the leader is, but we don't. There doesn't seem to be any sort of superiority type of thing going on there. But meanwhile, Moran has got this. He's just sitting essentially by himself. There are people behind him, but there's everybody just scattered around and everything. Was there? Is what is what, do? You, what was your idea behind all of that? Well, it was um, really
2: you know after sort of speaking to old men and for, for, for years about the idea of these kind of this missed opportunities, disconnections that took place. I mean, you've got to remember that. There Was this whole notion of terra nullius here where it's empty land that humans mm. exist? You know, there's flora and fauna. Uh, Aboriginal people weren't even recognized, we weren't even citizens of this country till the 70s. It's an absolute disgrace what took place. So, mm. this kind of whole lack of recognition that um, there's, you know, they're even even human beings for a start but the idea is obviously there is to see this divide to see this separation this ignorance this kind of misunderstanding this the 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 language problems the the mistakes and misunderstanding that that happened on both sides and um you know that, that that kind of idea of not not wanting to listen not wanting to learn not really really been open or vulnerable to any other perspective than that of um conquest um and uh yeah it was just just really trying to give an honest portrayal of how some of those meetings would have played out and and what was taking place um and you know jack just just finds a beautiful space where the widdiana's there with his authority and his connection and it's you know, we, we, there was a little improvised line that came into that about the badge on his, uh, oh, yeah, he didn't think he's boss. That kind of happened on the day, and see, and that was beautiful because it was Jacob's reaction because he, he doesn't have a great command of, of English. He speaks Gunwinku. winku, speaks rilachingu. So there were several different, um, uh, Aboriginal language is being spoken at that meeting as well, which is how it was back in the day. Many clans mm. and tribes would come together and be able to to speak each other's language. That's not so much the case now. So we had to kind of navigate that space between Wittiana and, and, and Jacob because they're actually speaking to each other in different tongues and in real mm. life they don't actually understand each other. So that, that was a beautiful process of, of mm. relearning language between those two um and then you know just just and and uh, it's interesting because there's just such a disconnection just in language itself about how things are spoken so he was jack kept pointing at the badge and it wasn't in the script as such and it was just like well Jacob, what do you think about that? And he just came up with that line. That's exactly what he thought about it. And uh it was just like, well, that's exactly what took place back in the day. That kind of says it all. You know what I mean? There's this assumption, yeah. this assumption. And um yeah, no, we I think we it's a very special scene, that one.
1: It is. It's a, it gets at to the root of where a it gets at the root of a conflict in a way that You can feel the frustrations and the, just the, I don't know, the tragedy of it and everything. The, uh, when they go, when, when he goes to this meeting, he's expecting to be talking to the boss and he's not really talking to the boss there. Mm that's what's so uh you know insane about it like this person isn't going to be able to get you what you want you have to speak to somebody who's you know however many kilometers away to uh you know um uh, so yeah i I really really did love that scene i i I could see that you 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 know you spent a lot of time on it so
2: yeah now we um yeah tricky
1: one. Tricky uh, one yeah um Give me, tell me the significance of high ground in this movie. Because- okay, we'll look into,
2: that's another good question. The, the working title for the film for many years was Resistance. Um, however, okay. was that was never going to really stick. It was all too much about saying too much, trying too hard. And there's other films called Resistance, and it's just we never wanted to sort of brand the film in any particular way. But we mm-hmm. just found through the perspective of the hawk, through the way. Uh, songlines travel uh, creative beings went across the land we think about the moral high ground the word high ground became something that was spoken in the story you take the high ground you see and that works from from both sides and it, it was just there sort of embedded in the script and it was something that was spoken a few times in the story and it was just like whoa okay hang on there it is there 's there 's the the title of the film. It says so much about what 's going on in so many ways dramatically um, mm-hmm. within the story and um, it just it kind of stuck and um, you know its a, it was it had sort of a commercial tone about it. it was always about creating an entertaining film and putting something out there you know, that was kind of accessible to the wider audience. I mean, at one stage you thought, do we call it joke? Do we call it a indigenous name? But no, no, it was all just, we don't need to try that hard. Let's just let this sit. Let's just keep things accessible. Keep it simple. Let's not be judgmental in any way. And high ground just kind of seems to play.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah the, it, it's, it, you know, I, I knew that, you know, obviously there's the literal... Uh, moment where Simon Baker uh, Travis is uh, is discussing yeah uh, uh, what what it what it means to have high ground and everything and then uh, he tries to he tries to discuss high ground with another uh, 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 another and I'm sorry is it is it is it a tribe tribal name what's the tribe's oh, name
2: with, with the, the, so when you say tribe which, who are you talking about you mean?
1: Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I I'm, I'm I am i am i do not have the right terms. That, that that's okay.
2: Um uh sorry. So which scene? So Travis is talking with
1: Travis is uh, well actually well it's uh and and again I'm going to butcher this name. Uh Gutshot. Yeah, Yeah, Okay. Yeah, he is he's with a woman in this one scene and he is also he's trying to repeat back what Travis Oh told yeah yeah him. yeah no you
2: talk about the cave scene at night
1: yes Yes, okay yes.
2: great all right there you go sorry man. Oh, Yeah. No, beautiful, beautiful scene because, yeah no beautiful scene because those two characters in, in in the story in a sense are poison skin so in the kinship system they're not they, they can't really be together and and in mm. real life real life they 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 wouldn't aren't don't really speak to each other in li- real life. That's Jacob and Esmeralda who play Gulwary and joke yeah? yeah, The yeah the, the, the underplayed love story. Oh yeah, gotcha. Okay, good. So what 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 actually? There's a lovely story there because the elders gave permission for those two young people to to be in those scenes together and to wow. do what they did because they were they're they're they're, they're kind of like a. In real life, they're like a prince and a princess when it comes to the yeah. states and the families that they're from. They're, they're kind of royalty in their own way. And the elders really just thought it was very appropriate that they got to work together because there's a powerful kind of energy flowing between them. Um, even mm-hmm. though in real life, they they barely talk. They're not really supposed to look at each other and what have you. So to get those hmm. two people to do that scene was extraordinary. And they themselves really wanted to do this and felt Hmm. that you know they wanted to take that challenge and kind of cross that boundary and tell the story and I think that's all part of the the power in those looks that's going on between those two is because they're kind of breaking a bit of sacred space not only on the screen but in real life as well which is kind of awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's really absolutely. awesome. Is is that something that is mentioned in the film, if I, if in any way? No. I, I didn't.
2: No, look, oh the, 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 my god, it makes that
1: scene so much better yeah, to know yeah, that. Yeah, though. no,
2: no. Look, it's kind of like unspoken. I mean, when they're walking through the bush initially, you know, we hope we get the sense that this, you know, Bayer and his warriors are made up of, you know, displaced people from various places. Again, we didn't want to spell too much out. We didn't want to over things. We want people to kind of fall into it and hopefully be affected by the looks, the relationships, the feelings that you just got through body and looking and stuff and allow that to inform rather than over-state things. So there's a lot of yeah. deliberate decisions made there. We, you know, to, to just less is better, we thought. Yeah. Uh, we never wanted to try and... Try and push that stuff too hard um, and that's kind of how it is in real life too it just sort of flows and you look at things and see things and you're affected by things and we wanted the film to work in those ways and I think mm-hmm. you know, okay I've, I've told you that now but I'd like to think you you felt that tension there was a there was an electricity there between those those two people and mm-hmm. yeah and yeah that's the way you know I chose to play that and um, wow. It works well.
1: I I just like the contrast too, just from after, after, you know, after Travis tells him about what high ground is and then he tries to repeat it back,
0: you know, she
1: says, she says you're trying to act like the white man and you're never going to be in that That's position. In yeah,
2: room. no, she's 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 hard. She's she's hard, but yeah. she, she also uh, softens. And it's yeah, it's it's a, a beautiful ro- romance. You kind of want more after they've walked off on the horse together.
1: Yeah, and, for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, she's an extraordinary uh, young young lady, Esmeralda, and um, just stepped up, uh, stepped up and delivered.
1: Um, I always ask this of uh, of uh, directors, but what was your hardest day on set?
0: Ah, uh, look,
2: the hardest day on set. I,
0: I, day. I would think uh, avoiding the crocodiles. That would that would be mine. Uh, <laughs> I no, no, not really. Look, I've I've grown up with crocodiles in my life, and you, did, you know we we had two
2: shooters on set every day. We were near water, Man. and if anything had got out of hand, they you know they'd be finished up. But those those crocodiles that big they're wise and um you know there were there were old men singing on country before we would shoot some days they knew they knew uh, to stick their head up and keep keep out of the well out of the way they <laughs> <don't> <laughs> go, go doing the wrong thing around white fellows or you get shot yeah. i mean they know they they know when to pick their moment don't worry you'll never see them coming um <laughs> but no so they they weren't really a, a problem for us because of, of that kind of reading and, and understanding of of those creatures with the
1: mm-hmm.
2: with the people we're working with. It was more about just the 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 heat every day was relentless. I mean it was the build up time. They have six seasons in Arnhem land and it's um the time when it's the thunder clouds are gathering and it's uh and it's 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 the build up period and it's hot, it's sweaty, it's humid. Uh, It's dry and, um, you know, working in remote places with all those kind of natural elements coming at you was really every day. So, Mm -hmm. um, but no, look, I didn't, there wasn't, not, not any, oh God, it's such a, look, there were, you know, the horses bolted because there were, you know, big snakes in the grass and there was dangerous moments (laughs) with with the the horses and Simon, you know, nearly got hurt one day because of this pack horse bolting and if the reins had got around his leg, it might have been, you know, no more Simon there for a while. But, you know, things didn't go that way and, you know, we had amazing horsemen on set and things were, you know, all kept under control ultimately. But things did go wrong. Um, I think probably... One of the most challenging days for me, just emotionally, was just dealing with some of that the the, the massacre stuff.
1: Oh yeah, mm-hmm. of,
2: of where we set that in a very very sacred waterhole uh, called Gunlong, and just knowing the stories of that place and knowing the elders and and the you know what we were doing in such a, a beautiful place. I, I find that found that a very emotional thing to do because I wanted to try and. Uh, just not turn it into a bloodbath but to try and sensitively deal with that horror and, you know, use sound and, and picture and and try and find a really good balance to, yes, it needed to be harrowing, needed to be fucking visceral and hard mm-hmm. and and all that but not to overplay it, not to just uh, indulge myself in the blood. It was about trying to sort of balance that in a way that it was potent um, but you could you could kind of let it go into you in a way. Um, yeah. You know, it affects, yeah, you know what I'm saying there. It could have very easily just been bang, kill, 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 but it was about mm-hmm. trying to really be in that moment, in that beautiful place and finding that balance between how it would have been, you know, there's other creatures around, there's other sounds, there's just shock, there's horror, there's so much at play. Mm-hmm and just trying to sort of
0: be there with what that might've been like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, do you have anything?
0: Well, I mean, I was curious. I'm always curious when you're, you know, uh, uh a time, a time period is, is it, you know, at play with when the movie set and I mean, you, you'd obviously didn't really have to, you were in remote, so you didn't have to deal with like automobiles and phones and stuff like that. But, was there anything challenging about the fact that it was set in the thirties? And I mean, was uh, it, it just mostly costuming, or
2: yeah? Look, I mean, well, look, that's, that there you go. That's a good one because what um, what was really important to us was to make sure that culturally everything that is in the film, from the stone, mm-hmm. sp- stone spear tips to the to the necklace that adorns Gulbury's neck around the, the mm. girl's neck to everything that is worn and everything that is seen. It was all woven for the film. All the weaving was correct from the particular regions and the country that the film is shown. The stone spears took years and years and years to find in sacred quarries and to collect, and there's an incredibly beautiful story that, that around the Nambi, that the, the spear tips and where they're from and, and only very, very special places. And uh, sourcing all of those things, creating all of those things was a big challenge because a lot of that knowledge is disappearing. And the old mm-hmm. people who know the, 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 the particular weeds or for example, how to make that necklace, it took me three, four years to find an old woman who knew how to actually make that necklace and what it was made of because <laughs> it was from oh my a, a photo that was taken back in the 20s by a guy called Baldwin Spencer and I, I just, no one, was it fish bones, was it this, was it that, but there was this one old woman out in the middle of Arnhem Land when I was there casting one day and I was talking to her about Beep. this necklace. She said, show me photo, show me photo. So I showed her the photo. She said, ah, yeah, that one. And she knew exactly what it was made of. And it was made of the, the the tips of buffalo grass, this particular spear grass that grows in Arnhem Land that's harvested at a particular part of its life cycle and then uh, very lightly dried with fire and sun. And it just goes rock hard and oh. it's cut up. And, you know, obviously it was made into this necklace. But, you know, how to do that, how to make that, when to pick that, was just something that, that isn't known that well anymore. And that was the case with quite a lot of things. And so we often found this, these beautiful scenes where we had old people making these things for the film just surrounded by young people, just looking and learning and kind of being part of that whole process. It was like cultural revival in a sense. It was really special. And, and the old people knew that that was going to be part of the journey of making this film because we all needed to dig deep into things culturally in order to, to tell this story. And that was a, could only be a good thing. That is
1: fascinating. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, this is an amazing movie. I hope, uh, I hope a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, go out and find it. Uh, uh the, you know, um, it's uh, it's an incredible story. Um, uh, we'd like to thank Stephen Maxwell Johnson for giving us his time. Thank you so much for coming on today, sir. Absolutely.
2: Oh, look, gentlemen, can I say, absolute pleasure to share this with you and just to kind of have the opportunity for, uh, you know, the families and myself to be putting this story out there and in America. And, you know, wow. I mean, what a time we live in post-COVID. Uh, all yeah. the stuff that's going mm-hmm. on over there at the moment, in the the light of you know all the troubles and stuff, maybe people are just a little bit more vulnerable and open-hearted now to take a big long think about the human story. And we're very lucky here; we've got you know, the the oldest human story on earth through through this culture that we have in Australia, and um, it's a it's a part of who we all are, and we just all need to. I can look out for each other a bit better.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No
2: it, doubt. It applies to uh, all of us everywhere.
1: Thank you so much for sharing. Um, uh, the movie is high ground. It comes out digital and on demand May 14th. Uh, that, that's going to do it for this interview. It's Chris Atkinson and Jonathan Watkins. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Twitter. Facebook, and Reddit, and be sure to visit CinemaSins.com.